Well, good morning, Second Service. How are you doing today? Good. A couple of us are doing all right. You know, I uh, spoke, obviously, at first service this morning, and I just have to say one thing. I kind of feel like a guest speaker when I go there, because this is the service that I attend every Sunday, you know, and we are sitting over there with our young adults. But now that I'm here, it feels like I'm in my home court, and I can be a little bit more loosey-goosey and informal. So I'm just going to take a moment to breathe it all in. I've been preparing for this message for a little while. Um, but last night at about 10 o'clock, I kind of rewrote the whole thing. So here we are. But it went well this morning. Uh, first service had a great response and just really encouraging, positive. So I'm sure that this morning or this service is going to be just as awesome. Hey, if you've missed the last few weeks, you've missed out on quite a bit because we are now on week three of our all-church journey where we are learning, we're being trained and equipped to put the gospel in the number one place in our life. Who's, who's in a group? Who's in a gospel above all group? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's great. Uh, our first group meeting that we had went really, really well. I hope yours did also. If you remember last week, Pastor Josh talked about gospel change and, uh, you know, just thinking about how the Holy Spirit comes and, and fills us, and when we, when we receive salvation, we're marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit for eternity, and that it brings a great change with who we are and, and how we act, and all the way down to our very identity of who we are, and then because out of that gospel change, we transition into our gospel mission. I'm going to talk more about that, but if you have your study guide with you, and you turn to page 17... Um, then in the study guide, there's some blank pages there for you to take notes. That way you can refer back to those during your group discussions. So like I said, this week we're talking about gospel mission. And let me tell you something. Maybe not everyone is like this, but I'm one of those guys that gets pumped when, when we're talking about mission. When we're like on a mission, we have goals, we're fighting for something, we have a purpose why we're doing it. We're not just kind of teetering through, you know, doing something because we're doing it, but we have a, a mission. That, that just gets me excited. And I, I, is, is anyone else relate to that at all? Okay, a few people. That's good. Not very many. You guys tired? I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, I pray that you would bring passion and incitement, excitement for the gospel mission that you have put all of us on. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to where we could just be willing to change in the areas that we need change. And I pray, Lord, that you started that work last week. You would continue it. But now, Lord, I pray that you would equip us and engage us with our personal life mission, our gospel mission, the reason why you have us here on this earth. And I know that every single individual in this room has a specific mission, Lord. And I pray that this morning as we're talking, you would just stir us up, make us excited, empower us to go out into the world and to... Share the gospel, Lord. So please uh, do a work in this room this morning. Amen. Amen? All right. So there was a time in my life when I was a part-time Christian. Does anyone know what I mean by that? A part-time Christian? So even though I went to church every Sunday, and I went to youth group every Wednesday, and I read my Bible a couple times a week, other than that, I was off the clock. And... Uh, you know, I, I hadn't yet been inspired by the gospel mission to go full-time 
in my relationship with the Lord. But as soon as I learned that I was not living for me, but I was living for God, and beyond that, God wanted to use me as an instrument to change people's lives and engage them with the gospel mission, it was game on. The reason, it's the reason why people love being a part of sports. Does anyone here sports people? Even if you don't play sports, you like follow sports. We just had the Super Bowl. So a lot of people love being a part of sports because it has a purpose and a mission to it. You know, you're fighting hard, you're, you're working out, you're training, you're trying to do your best to perform. That way you can accomplish the sports mission of winning. Now, for, for your gospel mission, we are fighting to win souls, to help people be forever changed by the gospel. Amen? That's right. So I, I have a quote here uh, that you're going to hear in the video this week uh, from Pastor J.D. Greer in the Gospel Above All video series. He says, one of the biggest myths in Christianity is that only a handful of people, a select few, have this sacred experience where they're called into ministry. When I read scripture, what I see is that when you have accepted the call to follow Jesus, you have accepted the call into missions, to ministry. That that quote just so perfectly and succinctly explains everything that gospel mission is about because you cannot be a part-time Christian. You are on mission for the gospel and God is going to use you for his goal when you allow him to. So what does it practically mean to live out gospel mission? I'm happy to explain, but first I have a disclaimer for you. I'm going to share some things this morning that you might find offensive, and honestly, it's my expectation that many who hear this message will either be offended or they just simply won't like what they hear. My hope is that the message God has for you in regards to gospel mission shakes you up, and that this very week, you make the commitment to apply the Great Commission, our gospel mission, to every little part of your life. Without the life-changing work of the Holy Spirit, where would you be? Without the life-changing work of the Holy Spirit. And in, in the moment that the Holy Spirit is doing a change in us, does it usually feel good? Sometimes it does feel good. But I'd say that usually it doesn't feel good because he strips away parts of ourselves, parts of our lives that we thought were good. Or maybe things that we knew weren't good, we just wanted to hold on to them. In order for any good to come out of this morning's gathering together, I need you to open your heart to the possibility that there is an area in your life that needs to be changed by the Holy Spirit. If you're someone who took last week's message to heart, and that gospel change has began and it's on a fast track already, praise God. Let's praise God for what he's doing in our church right now and in our city. Because God's doing awesome things through this all-church journey. Um, but now that we've talked about gospel change, it's time to embrace our gospel mission. That's the next step after gospel change. So this morning, I hope that the Holy Spirit will teach you to apply, every, to apply the Great Commission to every part of your life. So gospel mission is so important because it crosses over so much into purpose. 
you know, our purpose as individuals. Why are you here? Why are you alive on this earth, in this community? I believe that the secret to contentment in life is only found when someone understands their true God-given purpose and lives it out. Because we can chase things of this life, whether it's money, whether it's status, whether it's success in any form, or even just creature comforts. We can, we can pursue those things all we want, but they're always going to leave us empty and discontent. The only true place we can find contentment is when we are living for the Lord and when we are pursuing that gospel mission. So here's my first point this morning, is that free grace does not equal a free ride. Free grace is not a free ride. And I have to explain that one a little bit because there's some, uh, some pre-understanding that needs to be there. So it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who wrote that free grace is not cheap grace. And our response to the hard-earned, expensive grace that God freely gave to us is to devote our lives to him and his purposes. So don't get me wrong. God's grace is freely given to us. We don't need to do anything to earn our salvation. We don't need to like act, do step one, two, three. All that we need to do, Scripture says, is the moment you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you put him in the number one spot in your life, it's called, it's called receiving the good news, receiving the gospel. As soon as you do that, you're marked and sealed by eternity. So, uh, but free grace doesn't mean a free ride. So God's grace is the mechanism by which we are forgiven of our sins. It is his gracefulness that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins and make a way for a real and eternal relationship with him. When we look at God's attributes, that's his characteristics, his perfect grace, among some other attributes, is why he even wanted to make a way to save us dirty scoundrels. Thank God for that, right? Growing up in the church as a part-time Christian, I always knew that God's grace was important. You know, we talk about it all the time. We sing about it all the time. It's obviously an important concept. But it wasn't until I was actually like in very recently in university and getting my bachelor's degree that I really understood grace. They gave me this assignment to study the uh, Catholic view the Catholic theological standpoint of grace. So here's a disclaimer. I uh, studied like the roots of Catholic theology, so I don't use words that my friends who are modern-day Catholics use, uh, but the underlying theological standpoint on grace remains. So in the traditional, uh, the reason why I'm sharing this is because it, in order to understand something, it helps to have contrast you know, sometimes without contrast, we can't tell the difference between something. But I want us to deeper understand what free grace means for us by looking at this alternate perspective. So in the traditional Catholic point of view of grace, it has to be earned. And the way that you earn grace is by doing actions. And these actions that you take to earn more grace are called sacraments. Have we heard of sacraments before? I'm sure. So... Um, for example, there's the sacrament of baptism, there's Eucharist, or we say communion, there's catechism, matrimony, do penance, confession. 
So the more that you do these sacraments, the more grace that you earn. And uh, the reason why you want to earn grace is because when you die, before you go to heaven, you have to go to purgatory where uh, all the sins that were still kind of remaining get burned off before you get to be with in, in the presence of God. So uh, the more grace you earn, the less time you have to spend in purgatory, you see. And uh, there was a time when you could purchase indulgences. That way your dead relatives didn't need to be in purgatory as long. But that's a different subject. That's kind of the whole point of, or one of the sparks of the Protestant Reformation, for those of you who know anything about that. Uh, with the backdrop of Catholics' earned grace, now that we kind of have that alternate perspective, we can see more clearly our view on grace. That in our moment of salvation, God's grace completely covers all of our sin. And it is not possible to earn more grace because there's no more grace beyond what he's given you. He's given it all. There's no more grace to be earned. It has been given us, given it to us through the death and resurrection of Christ. Amen? That should make you excited, right? Should make you happy, relieved. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace. Yeah. What, with all of that context in mind, you probably understand better what I mean by free grace. So here's where a lot of people like to check out, and they go, okay, I'm good. I got free grace. Sweet. Thank you, Lord. I'll uh, come to church. But... That's the problem. Free grace does not mean a free ride. We have work to do. And the moment we give our lives to Christ and engage with the gospel for the first time, we're saved. God's grace is sufficient in that moment to cover all of our sins. And scripture tells us that we're marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit for eternity. So the Holy Spirit in us in that moment of salvation is our seal for eternity. But this is the next often forgotten part, is now you're on a mission. You've accepted the gospel, you're a Jesus follower, you're on a mission. Free grace does not mean a free ride. You have to work for the gospel. You have to do work for the gospel. Everything that you have been blessed with, every single thing in your life, God expects you to use that for his glory, which means saving sinners. So here's my first challenge. Have a burden for people. I hope that your heart breaks when you think of people in your life who are suffering and lost without Christ in their hearts. Have a burden for people so that when you see someone on the streets committing the slow suicide of hard drugs, you pray for them. Have a burden for people so that you can always be reminded that you are on a gospel mission. And every time you go to work, or every time you talk to someone at the grocery store, or every time you invite your neighbors over for a meal, you could be used by God as an instrument to change lives. The world is full of suffering and death. You could be used by God as an instrument for change. For you to wish that Jesus would come before the tweaker on the street has a chance to get right with God it's honestly kind of selfish. And I'm preaching to myself here, but I'm sure most of us have had those moments where we look around and we just think about how screwed up the world is 
and we say, just Jesus, come back, please, just come back. We want to throw in the towel. We want to say, you know, give up, I give up. You know, and of course, there's a, there's a heart behind that that's good, which would be, I want to be with the Father. I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to, you know, I want that. But when I look deep down inside myself, that's not really, that's like a secondary reason to why I was saying that. I, I've really caught myself saying that to be like, I want to give up, you know. Um, Lord, this world is too messed up and I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. Just take me now. But no, we're on a gospel mission. It's okay to be the minority. We will suffer and we will be disgusted by a screwed up world. So think about like missionaries. They go out to countries where there's barely any Christians and where evil abounds in order to be on gospel mission and try to save more people. So maybe the United States wasn't like that 30 years ago or 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. But the way things are and the way things are going, we are missionaries now more than ever. Who has Christian neighbors on both sides of their house? Awesome. I sure don't. Whose kids go to public school and only interact with Christians? Who shops at a Christian-only grocery store? I haven't heard of one of those, so no one, right? <laughs> so here's the thing. We need to be hustling to get as many people right with God as possible. And we don't change hearts. God does, but he uses us as an instrument for his glory to spread the gospel. Free grace does not equal a free ride. Have a burden for people. My next point is apply the Great Commission to every part of your life. The Great Commission was the last command Jesus gave to his disciples, and therefore us, before he ascended back to be with the Father at the end of his time on earth. This is the command that drives all ministry, you know, every church, everything that we do as a church, and it also drives all of us as individuals. Many of us are familiar with this passage, but I wanted to read it this morning as our sole scriptural call to live out gospel mission. So I think it'll be on the screens, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Our gospel mission is to bring the Great Commission into every part of our being. Yes, in our families. Yes, in our jobs. Yes, even in our church going. But even in our passions and our hobbies. Right? So don't forget that we're not part-time Christians. We're full-time Christians. And so, come on, there's no excuse to be a part-time Christian. But if you have accepted the call to be a Jesus follower... You need to give it all you got, no days off, even when it comes to your days off, your hobbies, that is. God wants to use you to reach the people who you can in your context, and we already know the places that we have connections, like I said, work, friendships, family relationships, our, our community, but being on gospel mission 
doesn't just have to be some arduous process that we trudge through. We have work to do, and a lot of our gospel mission is hard work, but not 100% of it has to be that hard. God made you who you are with a distinct set of giftings and passions, and I personally believe that where your gifting meets your passion, that's where you find your calling, whether it's vocational or not. For me, that's in vocational ministry, but most people will not be pastors. Most people will pastor and disciple others informally. I want to give you an example of this. So for those who know me, you know that I love the outdoors, and uh, I love to hunt. I hunt just about everything in Oregon. You know, I just, I'm so passionate about it. I, I love going out when it's freezing cold and pouring down rain and chasing deer around in the woods. It's just, it's, a, it's an awesome time, you know, because you're pushing yourself to your limit. You're climbing mountains, and it takes a lot of grit and grr. Have you guys heard grr before? It takes grr, right? And it just gets me all pumped up and excited. Well, not that long ago, I had a realization that there are tons of people who are passionate about the outdoors just like me, who love putting themselves through pain and uncomfortable situations, but they don't have a relationship with the Lord. And I started thinking, what would, what would happen if we as a church could engage those local outdoorsmen who have this gur and this grit, what if we could engage them with the gospel and get them on the gospel mission? Imagine the, what, what they could do for the Lord if they applied some of that same passion and gur to their relationship with God. And so, like, my mind automatically, just the way that I'm wired, I start thinking of programs. And so get ready, Salem First Hunting Fishing Club, coming your way. If you are into hunting or fishing, I'm not even joking, or if you have someone in your life, send them my way because we want to start engaging with those non-believing outdoorsmen and uh, get them into our church. How does that sound? Pretty great, right? Yeah, so let me know. If you like to hunt or fish or if you especially if they're non-believers and you know people that like to hunt and fish. Come on, send them my way. So that's like the program side of things, but even as individuals with the things that we love doing, we can engage our gospel mission. I'll give another example of that. Um, so I'm, I gotta think of how I choose my words. I, I kind of already started doing something this in my regard. For the last couple years, I have taken complete strangers hunting during deer season. And so, uh, for those of you who don't know, there are these Facebook groups for our local area of outdoorsmen, hunters and fishermen, that have like 10,000 plus people in them. Like, there's so many people who are a part of these Facebook groups, and uh, a lot of them are like either new hunters or struggling hunters, and they just join the groups to try to learn more. So what, what I do is, before deer season, I throw a post up there, and I just say, hey, if... Uh, if you've been struggling or you're new and you want, I can show you the ropes, let's go hunting. And so usually one or two brave people will respond to that. And, uh, you know, I, it's awesome because I get a whole hour in the truck on the drive up to ask them about their life, who they are, what's their story, if they're willing to share it. And then I hunt them hard all day. And I, I really try to, try. What, what's that saying? Get, throw the coals on them or something like that? That's not right. You know what I'm saying really try to work hard, you know, and get them all tired and worn out. And then we get a whole hour on the drive back and I share, share the gospel with them, talk to them about Jesus and ask them, 
about what, what they believe about Jesus. Like, for example, the last time I went, um, I took out two guys at the same time who were buddies from Vietnam, and one uh, was a Buddhist, and the other one was half Buddhist, half Catholic. And so I just got to share with them, you know, after getting to know them and hunting with them, they were open to me sharing the gospel with them, and in that moment, neither of them wanted to accept Christ in their heart, but you know, that's part of just doing the work. It's not us that changes hearts, it's God and just being that person, that connection. Um, so, you know, m- most people think I'm crazy for this, but I'm led in this way, nothing's happened. My wife is okay with it, Megan, as long as uh, I'm careful, whatever that means, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, so to many of us in this room, that probably sounds really daunting, you know. So I'll say this, you don't need to, you don't need to start off with, an extroverted approach to your gospel mission like that, you know, inviting strangers with guns out to the woods. (laughs) But I want to encourage you to be sensitive to the Spirit and how God can use anything, and He will use everything in your life to spread the gospel. I also don't want you to just get stuck inviting friends to church and leaving it at that. You know, and yes, that's a huge part of it, and it's a great start, But pastor can't be the only one who's teaching these people about Jesus. You are a pastor in someone's life. You are a discipler. And so you are on a mission to be a gospel influence in their life. Think of the parable of the servants. Most of us are probably familiar with that one. Uh, Each servant was entrusted with a different amount of their master's money. Remember the servant that got the smallest amount, what did he do? He just buried it and hid it away. And then... He kind of, when the master returned, he's like, hey, where's my money? And, uh, and the servant kind of said something kind of mean. He's like, well, you're a harsh person. And I was worried someone was going to come, you know, try to take your money. So I, I hid it away for you. And the, cert, the master was harsh. Remember, he says, uh, you wicked and lazy slave. <laughs> we don't want to be like that servant, do we? No. Our gospel mission is to use what God has given us to invest in the kingdom of God. And that means using our talents, our passions, our hobbies, everything. Be like the other servant who was entrusted with a larger amount of money, and he went and invested it, and he doubled the master's money. And then the master said, you have been trustworthy with few things. I will put you in charge of many. So apply the Great Commission to every part of your life. God has entrusted you with a lot. Invest in the kingdom. My final point this morning is that the enemy wants to remove your influence. He wants to remove your influence for the gospel. You cannot expect to faithfully serve God and not be hated by his enemies. That's a double negative. It's hard to understand. I'll say it again. You cannot expect to faithfully serve God and then not be hated by his enemies. Our gospel mission is a spiritual battle, and you need to be prepared to enter into spiritual warfare. This can take many forms, but the simplest form is that you will be hated by people who have made themselves enemies of God. The thing is, those same people that hate God are loved by God, right? And he wants them to be saved. Because of this, Your desire to be liked and accepted needs to be crucified. You are facing a battle, but take heart 
because facing battles with God creates a camaraderie with God in the same way that, you know, facing a, a battle with a brother does. But even when we're feeling under attack and things are hard, we cannot let the enemy make us ineffective for the gospel. I've seen it many times before where as soon as life gets hard, people bow out on their gospel mission. Some even stop coming to church. Can you believe it? As soon as things get hard, as soon as life gets busy or complicated, they're like, okay, I'm going to disengage. To me, that's like the opposite response of what you should do. God put this community in your life as a support system, as when things get hard, dig more into the community of the church. Dig more into your relationship with God. You know, the enemy wants us to lose our perspective and think that due to health issues or busyness or financial stress or family issues, I mean, without the right perspective, those things can take us out of the fight. But with the Holy Spirit and a charged-up gospel mission, we can continue to fight through adversity. So do not give up when things get hard. Do not make bad choices that remove your influence for the gospel. If you engage in battle with him, you will come under fire. So put on the armor of God, lean into him, and keep fighting. I have a strong dose of perspective for those of us in hard times this morning. You have been born into the easiest life possible. What have you done with your gift of being born in the U.S. with an education and a comfortable life? Complain about being tired? You get overwhelmed when things stack up? So many of us have so little going on in life that small things are huge things that prevent us from focusing on our gospel mission. Think of one minor thing in your life that has caused anguish for you. How big of a deal was it really? Is it really? Most of the time, we only realize how small something is when we're years past it. We need to remember that every single day that we're alive, no matter what our circumstances are, every single day we wake up is a gift. And if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. If you're awake and alive, there's a reason for that. God has a reason for you. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose, and that is your gospel mission. We're not on this earth to be comfortable. Are you just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back? Who's heard of the ministry called Promise Keepers? A few of us. It's a pretty, pretty great men's ministry. They've done some cool stuff. Um, I was listening to a podcast interview with the president of Promise Keepers this week, and uh, Ken Harrison... He's the president. He was a former cop uh, before he got into ministry. And what he, where he worked was super high crime area. He said that every single day there were at least one felony arrest, usually multiple. It was always fighting people, getting shot at, chasing people down. Every single day he was faced with death. And you know, for a lot of police officers, they uh, actually become addicted to their own adrenaline so when they, because they're faced with death every day, they're getting those adrenaline hits every single day, that when they're off the force, when they're done, it takes a, a long time for them to 
get back to normal and to be able to live without those adrenaline hits. And he was sharing that, you know, every, every night or whenever he would come home and his wife wanted to share what was going on, like her, her problems, he just, he couldn't even hear it. He didn't get it. She would complain about, you know, traffic or back pain or whatever else was going on in her life. And then he was thinking about how he watched someone die that day. When he was sharing that, it gave me the perspective to realize just how small most of my problems really are. And that God is bigger than any problem that any of us could face. That's the hope. That's the hope in all this. The reason why our problems should not remove us, should not remove our influence from spreading the gospel, should not take us out of our gospel mission, is because God is bigger than any problem we could face. And in those times, instead of leaning away from him, instead of not coming to church, instead of not engaging with your body of believers, dig in even deeper. Because the Holy Spirit is who anoints us in our gospel mission. He's the one who empowers us in our gospel mission, even through that. So Ken Harrison, the president of Promise Keepers, he had a near-death experience that changed his life. So this didn't happen when he was on the force. You know, he, he goes from being a police officer faced with death every day to, you know, not being, to being in ministry. And he was hit by a jet ski, and it damaged his liver. So he was in the doctor's office, the emergency room, and the doctor said, listen, if more than 40% of your liver is bleeding, you are going to die in five hours. But if less than 40%, then you'll live. It's just going to be a very painful recovery. So he was faced with death, not for the first time, maybe even for the thousandth time, but this was the only time when he's faced with death and he really has to, to lay there for an hour in a hospital bed thinking about his life. Did he live, did he live right? He said he, he was always a believer and he knew he was saved by the grace of God, but could he look back at the, the life that he lived and the, the decisions he made and, and look back at his gospel mission and, and really embrace it and say, yeah, I was on gospel mission. The Holy Spirit asked him, what have you done with what I gave you? Has anyone ever come to know Christ through you? Have you made a really big difference for the kingdom and my gospel mission? The answer was no. And Kent, Ken felt like the servant in the parable who buried his master's money instead of investing it. After that moment of clarity and commitment to serve the Lord with word and action, Ken received the news that he would be better. And obviously he went on to be the president of Promise Keepers. So I'm going to wrap up this morning with one more thought and then pray us out. During 21 days of prayer, one of the speakers talked about how we have an assignment and that we have been anointed to do the assignment. So here's my question. Have you been doing your homework? Have you been doing your assignment? Have you been praying? Have you been proclaiming? There's plenty of places in Scripture where we can see that we're on a gospel mission, but just the most clear, straight to the point, is the Great Commission. Matthew, in that commission in Matthew by Jesus tells us that 
everything we need to know. Each and every Jesus follower, every person sitting in this room who has given their life to the Lord, who says, I'm going to follow Jesus, is a missionary. We are all on a gospel mission, and God will use you to reach people for the gospel in your own context. So apply this commission to every little part of your life and invest in the kingdom of God. Remember, it's not our actions in our gospel mission that saves us. We're saved only by the grace of God, but our response to that free grace is our gospel mission. So I'm going to pray, and then we can head out and be missionaries in our community. How does that sound? All right. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for whatever it is you did in our hearts this morning, whether it was conviction, whether it was encouragement, whether you just illuminated an area of our life where we can be on gospel mission. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing and that you will be doing. I pray that in our group discussions this week, Lord, you would be honored. Lord, I pray that you would have a chance to speak, that we wouldn't just all be trying to talk and say smart things, but that we would be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that our relationship with you would become more real than it ever has through this gospel above all, through this all-church journey that we're all going on, Lord. We're so thankful and, and in awe of how you interact with us, the God who created it all, the Lord, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, so big, so magnificent, and yet so, so finite to love each and every one of us and to know each and every one of us and to have a path for each single individual to be on gospel mission, Lord. So equip us, anoint us, carry us through our trials, God, and uh, send us off, send us out. In your name I pray, amen. All right, thank you for joining. Go out and uh, be on gospel mission.